Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. consideration for this fifth Sunday after Pentecost begin with the Old Testament lesson as found in Exodus chapter 32 beginning at verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, written on one side and on the other. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is the noise of war in the camp. Moses said, it is not the sound of people who shout for victory, neither is it the sound of people who cry because of defeat. But I do hear the sound of people who are celebrating. As soon as Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burned. So so he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water. Then he made the people of Israel drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin on them? Moses said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know these people. They are set on evil. So they said to me, Make a God for us who will go ahead of us because this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, whoever has any gold, pull it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. When Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get so out of control that they were disgraced among their enemies, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. All the descendants of Levi gathered themselves together to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man is to strap his sword and his thigh and go back and forth throughout the camp, from one gate of the camp to the other. And every man is to kill his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. The Levites did what Moses said, and that day about 3,000 men from among the people fell. Moses said, begin your service to the Lord today. Yes, because every man among you took a stand against his son and against his brother, the Lord is bestowing a blessing on you today. The second lesson is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. 
The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, a relatively younger pastor, but our Lord is writing to us through inspiration, through the pen of Paul. But you, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ who made a good confession as a witness before Pontius Pilate that you keep this command without spot and without fault until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will make known at the proper time. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or is able to see, to him be honor and power forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 34th verse. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Jesus is also speaking to us, his modern-day disciples. Do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink because he is my disciple, amen, I tell you, he will never lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The parts of God's Word for our consideration this morning are found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 27, beginning at the seventh verse. Hear me, O Lord. With my voice I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. When you say, seek my face, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, who saves me. 
If my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord would take me in. This is the word of our Lord. Dear fellow redeemed, sons and daughters of God Most High, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, fellow recipients of the Holy Spirit who creates and sustains faith in our hearts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A beautiful statement, to be sure. And God uses that beautiful word to create, to tell us how he called everything into existence by his holy word. And elsewhere in creation, God uses beautiful words to tell us how he is a very hands-on God and how he made us and fashioned us. In Genesis 2, verse 7, when he speaks about creating Adam, he doesn't just use the word create. He says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The word there, formed, is the same, same word in Hebrew that is used to speak of a, a potter making a pot out of clay, a very hands-on type of action. And then in Genesis 2, later on in verse 22, when the Lord saw that it is not good for man to be alone, and you remember he put Adam into a deep sleep and took a rib, then Moses records by inspiration, the Lord God built a woman from the rib that he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. God didn't just create, well, he did. He created Eve for Adam, but built her according to specification to be a helpmate for Adam. Again, a very hands-on God in his creation of woman. And he uses that special verb to not only say how he did it, but to convey to us how much of a hands-on God he is. And then in the book of Psalms, we have this. For you created my inner organs. You wove me together in my mother's womb. So if you say, well, the first two apply to Adam and Eve. Those are special cases. Well, each one of us were woven together. If we're, we think about how it was translated in, in the NIV, you knit us together in our mother's womb. Any of you who have done needlework or have been the recipients of a grandmother's afghan, you'll know what a special, hands-on type of creation that is. God is very much a hands-on God when it comes even to our very being. And God has put into each one of us two responses to fear. Psychiatrists and psychologists will tell you about those. When it comes to very scary times, we have two responses. When the adrenaline starts to flow, there is either fight or flight. We either stand our ground and our muscles buoyed up by adrenaline, we are ready to fight. Or if we sense a 
not a good time to fight. We are ready for flight. Those muscles are ready to go to take us out of there in an instant. God has put those there when he knit us together in our mother's womb. Those are not part of evolution because we did not evolve from lower beings. We were created. We were knit together, each and every one of us in our mother's wombs. And God put those responses there. But for Christians, when we are faced with difficulty, maybe when we are overwhelmed as Christians, we have a third response. And here, David pours out his heart. And by inspiration of the Lord, this is not just David speaking. This is the Lord giving us these words as well. David knew sin. David knew difficult times. David, during his reign as king over Israel, was faced time and time again with that perennial difficulty called the Philistines living in what is now known as the Gaza Strip, off just off to the eastern uh, side of Israel, actually named for one of the Philistine cities of Gaza. It's still there today, and it's still a thorn in the side of the nation of Israel today. The Philistines again and again would attack Israel, and they would take some of Israel's land, and then Israel would take it back, and Again and again, it would be a thorn in Israel's and David's side. But if that wasn't enough, David, like all of us, was a sinner. And as a sinner, he and we often create difficulties of our own. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that is the case. And sometimes the difficulties we're, difficulties we're in are because of outside factors, and sometimes it's because we have made poor decisions, bad decisions, sinful decisions against God's will, and we find ourselves in situations where maybe we'd like to fight, maybe we'd like to flee, but more often than not, as Christians, we're pleading our case before the Lord, as David does here in Psalm 27. And when we listen to his words, we're hearing David not saying, Lord, you'd better do this for me because I believe in you. No, we hear David, as oftentimes we hear ourselves, pleading before God, pleading as a sinner, yet who trusts in the Lord as his Savior, saying, help me, O Lord, you have saved me. He starts by saying, Hear me, O Lord, with my voice I call. He's pleading to the Lord, Hear me. Hear me. Be merciful to me and answer me. Why would David, why would we even dare stand before the Lord? We have broken we heard earlier about Moses coming down from the Mount Sinai. He had the tablets written by God, front and back, over and over again. Moses, by inspiration of the Lord, tells us, 
front and back. It was written, written by God, engraved by God. These are the words of God. He didn't repeat himself because he had to fill up a page like we did back in high school where we had to have an essay that was so long. No, God gave him those words to write over and over again because he wanted us to get it straight. These are the words of God, not the words of men, the law of God that God expects us to keep. And when Moses shattered those, those tablets at the foot of Mount Sinai, when he saw the golden calf there, God wrote it again. Because he wants us to have his law. He wants us to know his holy will. He wants us to know when we have sinned. But he also wants us to know that we have a Savior. And he tells us that also in his word. But when we look at that law of God, we see clearly, we have not kept it. We have sinned against God. And so if we think we can just go before God and say, okay, Lord, you've got to listen to us because we believe in you. You've got to listen to us. You've got to hear us. With my voice, I'm calling to you. You've got to be merciful. You've got to answer me. We look at God's law and say, no, the Lord doesn't owe us anything. But we dare to call on the Lord because of the cross, because of what Christ has done for us there. Because there on the cross, Christ took our sins and paid that penalty that should have been ours when the Lord says in his word, the wages of sin is death, and Christ's death fulfills that. And Christ's life fulfills the law that we could not keep. And David, living before Christ, still believed in the coming Christ. He heard the promises of the Old Testament again and again and again. The promises of the Savior coming from his very line. Remember, David was one of the ancestors of Christ. And he, looking forward to the Christ that was to come, and we, looking back, at the Christ who has come, believing in the same Jesus Christ. And so he can plead before God. Plead before him. Be merciful to me and answer me. Trusting in the salvation that Christ has won for him. And then when the Lord says, Seek my face, my heart says to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Why do we desire to do that? Do we do it because God says, you'd better do this or else? No. We do this out of thankful love. As everything we do as Christians. As everything we desire to do, when the Lord says, do this, we say, yes, Lord, out of thanks for what you have done for me on the cross, out of a thankful heart, we say, Lord, we desire to seek your face. Think of the benediction that we hear every single week at the end of the worship service. The benediction that goes back to the time of Moses in the book of Numbers. Again, David would have been familiar with. These words would have echoed in David's ears. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Those are words of joy. Not an angry God looking down scornfully, but a God of joy, a God of love, looking down upon with blessing. And so we say, your face, Lord, 
I will seek. And then again, in light of that, David, still knowing his sin, we still knowing our sin, we say in the next verse, do not hide your face from me. Again, our sin is not far from us. In reality, we can't even finish these four short verses without sin being there, our constant companion. But also, what is there even greater than our sin is the salvation of Christ. And so over and over again, David pleads, and over and over again, we plead. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, who saves me. You can hear it in David's voice. Sometimes maybe you hear it in your own voice. Why does God give us these words? Why did God inspire David to write these words? Uh, David could have said these words on his own. Deep in the palace, in the inner room of the palace, no one would ever have heard them. But why did God place these words by inspiration, by his own inspiration, tell David to write these down, put these in the book of Psalms, put these in Israel's hymn book, put these in our Christian hymn book? Because he wanted these to be our words as well. He wanted us to meditate on them as well, to take them to heart. These are not long verses. These are not, you know, long like Psalm 119, which is 172 verses long, which is a wonderful section of God's word, but it takes quite a while to meditate on these, on those. These are four short verses. And notice in these short four verses, the Lord refers to himself four times. Why would the Holy Spirit do that? Why? I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't stutter. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a word count that he has to fill up. He does this for our sake. Because how soon we are to forget. Sometimes, especially as we get older, our memory gets more and more difficult to function. Sometimes we set our keys down and we forget where we put them. Sometimes we joke about it. Sometimes it's not often funny. But the Lord does this not to make us feel bad about ourselves. He does this out of love. He does this to impress upon us again and again and again who he is. Because notice the words that he I start with the one that he only uses once in these four verses, the term God. The same word he uses in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The term God refers to his power. After church today, go outside and take a moment and take in the beauty of God's creation. We live in a beautiful city in a beautiful state. We look to the west and every day we get to see the beautiful mountains. We see the beauty of God's sky. We see the beauty of the trees, the beauty of the lawn. Sometimes we take it for granted. But 
take for a moment the fact that God placed all of that there. The beautiful colors that he uses and the eyes that he gives us to see all of those colors and the beauty of God's creation. All of that he did and all of that he called it into being in six 24-hour days. And all of that out of love and put us as the crown of his creation. And that's the power that God has. And that's the power that is beyond, that is behind our salvation. See, that's not a power, that's not a God that, that says, yeah, I, I'd like to help you, but boy, you're going to have to wait till next week because this week I've used it all up. I just can't do it. No. This is the almighty God of creation. This is God who makes a promise and keeps a promise with his almighty power. And he used that name God here to remind us. And then we have three times the name Lord. That special name of God. That special name of God that reminds us he's a God who makes a promise and keeps a promise because he is eternal. The one who, who is the same in the past and is today and will be forever. The great I am. The one who never changes will never say to us, yeah, I made that promise to David, but boy, it's been millennia since I talked to David. It's been millennia since I wrote this song. You know, things have changed. It's 2023 now. Nah. It, no, the terms have changed. No, that, that's, no, not going to do it. Never. Never with the Lord. You and I, we might find ourselves breaking promises. Never, ever, the Lord. And he uses that name three times here so we get the point. So it's driven home. So that we remember, this is the Lord we're talking about. Who makes a promise, who keeps a promise, and is God. Who is ever powerful to keep that <clears throat> promise. And then he uses, David uses, and the Lord by inspiration uses that phrase, who saves me. The Savior God. Not just the all-powerful God who comes with this law, but the all-powerful God, all-promising God who comes with salvation. And that word saved is at the root of the name Jesus. The name in Hebrew is Joshua, Yeshua, the Lord saves. Hebrew version is Joshua. The Greek version of Joshua is Jesus. Lord saves. Jesus, the promised Messiah, promised in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament, who came and suffered and died and rose again, so that we might have that salvation that God has promised. Promised to David, fulfilled on the cross and the open tomb on Easter, promised to us and fulfilled, and who will come again to rescue us from this veil of tears to the glorious paradise he prepared for us in heaven. All of this wrapped up in that little phrase, who saves us, that beautiful word, the Lord who saves us. And then he finishes, finishes these four verses with this wonderful statement. If my father and my mother abandoned me, the Lord would take me in. Again, that beautiful name. And that picture that God paints here, 
would hope and pray that if your parents are still living, or back when they were living, that you had a wonderful relationship with them. Maybe that's not always the case. Maybe for some, that father-mother relationship that you had was not the best. And David says, and the Lord says, if they would have abandoned you, and that verb in Hebrew means to let go, to push aside, to abandon. Kind of calls to mind what Jesus said in the Gospels, doesn't it? That division between mother and father that may come about. Maybe it's because one part of that family structure chooses to follow Christ and the other doesn't. But whatever the case, if mother and father abandon me, if that dear relationship falls apart, David says with confidence, the Lord would take me in. That's actually the opposite of abandonment. That verb there means to gather in. And not just to gather in, but to gather in and hold close and to give shelter to Maybe some of you remember when you had children of your own or maybe holding grandchildren. Maybe some right here in the chairs here at Salem. You'd hold that little one on your shoulder during the worship service. And that little one, or maybe you yourself were the little one, maybe it wasn't so many years ago. And that little one would feel so comfortable, so secure on your shoulder, they would fall right asleep. You remember those days? That's what the Lord is talking about here. The Lord would take me in, would hold me tight, would hold me secure, would hold me and care for me, and we would be secure. And again, the Lord does this out of love. And as a result, we respond in love. As Christians, our lives may have times. From outside influences, when we face troubles and difficulties, from our own bad decisions made because of sinful <laughs> desires, the situations we find ourselves in because of those bad decisions, where we may be tempted to fight or flee with that adrenaline pumping. But remember, we do have a third option as believers. We have that option the Lord has given us to call upon him, to cry out as David did, Help me, O Lord, for you saved me. May the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.
www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.